Dear listeners, Sai Ram, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30 p.m. to 2.00 p.m. Indian Standard Time. The topic of today's episode is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. the life story of bhagwan sri satyasai baba and this was first featured as part of thursday live on january 23rd 2014 Sai Ram and welcome dear listeners to yet another episode of our afternoon satsang and this is Prem from Team Radio Sai as always being joined by brother Arvind and just like as we had last week we are continuing with our Satyam Shivam Sundaram series we spoke last time about professor Kasturi the author of the first four volumes of Satyam Shivam Sundaram and we chose to speak a little about him especially drawn from his autobiography the book loving god from which we are picking out a few incidents during that time period we were talking about that is 1949 to 1950 51 and about his early years with swami and how swami captured him and his family and we will be talking a little more about that especially from that book but before we begin that i offer on behalf of arvind and all of you our humble pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet and we pray that swami takes us along this episode sairam arvind Sairam Prem and Sairam dear listeners I thought that it would be uh, apt in the beginning of the satsang to state why we have picked up professor Kasturi and his autobiography as part of the Satyam Shyam Sundaram right invariably you know all of our life stories have got so deeply enmeshed with swami's life story because for all of us swami is our life and so too is the case with professor Kasturi where swami is his life and therefore Kasturi's sir story is very much part of Swami's story. But Kasturi's story is ideal for discussion as a Satyam Shyam Sundaram episode because he was a blessed devotee who experienced so many facets of Bhagwan, so many facets of Swami and his story alone would give us an idea rather than discuss hundreds of people's stories his story would be a good sample of the different kind of leelas mahimas as well as uh, you know the pranks that swami did and that is the reason dear listeners that we have picked up two episodes to be dedicated to professor kasturi and his early days with swami because these give us a very good idea of how things were and how swami was and is in his 20s and also because you know whenever you have somebody who is a good speaker good writer they tend to document their experiences in life in a very uh, descriptive manner in which it could be shared and could be even spoken about later also a poetic manner in a poetic manner especially the wit with which uh, professor kasturi writes it's so refreshing to read that and you know there's always that uh, that importance given to humor and whatever he writes and that gives us more joy sharing what he has written in Dear listeners it's it's also a plea to all of you if you've not read his autobiography Loving God I think it's a must for any devotee because you know not only does it give you an idea of what Swami was what Prashanthi Nilayam was and what Puttaparthi was but it gives you a nice sample of India during that period also 
exactly the kind of changes which were happening how a fledgling country was coming to terms with the challenges it was being thrown at with the emergence of the new independence and just to remind our listeners who have tuned into god's own radio we are currently in 1950 this is the time actually the prashant nilayam mandir got built and it was inaugurated but we will keep that aside for the next satyam shivam sundaram because today we will be concentrating on professor kasturi one more beautiful facet about professor kasturi's experiences is the way he has documented them in great detail makes the reader remember similar instances in his or her own life and that kind of builds a bonding you know it recreates those nostalgic moments so many of us including me you know when i was reading the book i maybe if there is opportunity and if th- there is scope i will share one or two of those but even as i was reading these episodes from professor kasturi's life i was reminded of so many similar experiences and i relived those same experiences and felt that deep connection with swami because it's our own experiences that connect us with swami and if there is a person who is able to write and describe events in such a manner that they invoke in you your own experiences and your feelings of nostalgia with swami what better could it be and that is another reason why we have picked professor kasturi and not only is a he's a fabulous writer he's a wonderful speaker too we played a clip of his earlier we have two clips here let's see how it goes maybe we'll play a clip of that would it be a good way to start with that Because definitely a clip uh, yes. here where he he speaks about the letter which swami wrote to his brother we, we had an entire episode on that letter he speaks of that occasion when that letter actually surfaced the first time when he heard swami's brother seshama raju himself refer to that letter was during a shivratri celebrations when swami asked uh, seshama raju garu to share his thoughts with the audience and that's when he spoke about that letter which swami had written and that's when actually kasturi also made bold to ask swami to give the letter to him for documentation wow for those of our listeners who have not heard that episode who are not aware of this or who have come in late a small reminder that this letter in 1947 was a historic letter that swami wrote apparently answering the queries by his brother saying that it was a letter that swami wrote to his brother is like saying that the bhagavad gita was a talk delivered by krishna to arjuna to it his, was to his brother in law <laughs> <laughs> to his brother in law yes right. arjuna was his brother in law well it was definitely to arjuna it was definitely to sheshama raju but through them it was a message that the lord gave to the entire universe and when he speaks about this letter it's not uh, completely on the content of the letter but you know so beautifully he captures what would have been running in the minds of those family members when swami declared and okay. what kind of a feelings would have been arisen when swami wrote that letter and what they would have thought when they saw this unfolding of this grand avatar so all that put beautifully in a humorous manner in such a beautiful uh, narration so that's what we're going to play for all of you this was a talk which he gave during the 1976 summer course so a clipping from that talk after which we will go into some more episodes and wonderful things that professor kasturi experienced say just about 2 years after his declaration that he had come to resume the work that he was doing and that his devotees were waiting for him and therefore he was no longer the son that the parents thought he was 
or the Satinarayana that his friends thought he was. And he announced that his brother, elder brother was rather disappointed. My rather, very disappointed. He wanted to make him a kind of uh, a, an educated person who could get an appointment in the Taluk office. And uh, because in that village at that time there was nobody who could uh, read English or speak English, he wanted to admire his younger brother talking English and becoming, they say in those days, eligible for public service. That is the, the certificate that they give when they pass the SSLC examination. So this gentleman, his brother, he wanted to make eligible for public service. And he wanted everyone to come to his house with an application and say, you are a clerk in the taluk office, you please help this on. And then he thought that the elder brother would be very proud of his younger brother serving in the taluk office. <laughs> and uh, all the villagers, all the villagers coming to his house and standing in the veranda and asking, may I see your younger brother? And he would feel very proud. That was the condition in which he was. And then he found that this person was uh, going on some strange, mysterious, ununderstandable ways. That he was uh, finding fault with a Pandit who was expounding the Bhagavatam next door. He said, what is that man saying? Call him here. And then the Pandit comes. He has got the audacity to criticize and find fault with Pandits. He has got the the uppishness to tell all kinds of things about people and they are, though they are of course found to be true, still that is not the business that a young boy in the school should do. He ought to read his books and he doesn't read his books and what is to happen to him in the examination. All kinds of thoughts came to him and he wrote a letter to Swami saying, be careful young man, these are all things that will lead you away from your correct straight path to the taluk office. <laughs> I am dreaming so much about you. You must be eligible for public service. Of course, he is eligible now for public service. For the service of the whole world. But he limited him like that. And then, Bhagwan wrote to him a letter sat down, wrote to him a letter. Sixteenth year. Elder brother, who had uh, looked after him, so to say, who had taken him to the place where he was, who had filled his application form for joining the school, and who was uh, rather proud of the musical capacities, of the poetical capacities, of the dramatic uh, stage capacities, of his brother, of his Telugu, wonderful Telugu, of his uh, peeps into our ancient scriptures, which he wondered where he picked up, but still he was happy that he has got a brother who was all this. And when he, very affectionately of course, and very considerately 
warned him against uh, going and leaping beyond his uh, capacity, trying to, suppose you try to make a high jump, six feet. And of course you only break your legs. So he said, look, do you look here, my dear younger brother, you are jumping beyond your capacity. I know you as from a baby and uh, this is too much for you. Don't try all these uh, tricks. I know what you are capable of. So please don't jump too high. That was the letter that he wrote. Because we have not got the copy of his letter. But we have got the copy of Swami's letter. It was one Shivaratri night. Swami, the Lingodbhavam had happened. And 50,000 people had recognized in Bhagwan the living Shiva. They had thrilled that Puttaparthi or Prashantanilayam was Kailas itself. And after that, Baba came up to the mandir, came up to his room. Some of us followed him and this elder brother also followed him. And he came up to his room and he sat before him. He was also struck by the magnificent demonstration of the divinity of this brother whom he expected to sit in a chair in the taluk office. Instead of that, he was enthroned on Kailas as Shiva himself. And therefore he brought out this letter that Bhagavan wrote when he was 16 years old in reply to his admonition and read a sentence or two from that. The sentence that he read was, My devotees must have patience in order that they may understand my full powers. Wait and then you will realize my glory. These two sentences that letter contained. And the brother was so overpowered by the correctness of those expressions. We have waited so long, Swami. As you said, if only I had patience, I could have discovered that this was your glory. At that time, I said, don't jump too high. But I find now that even the sky and every, even the cosmos is a thing over which you can jump. I was standing by his side and at that time being the editor of Sanatan Sarathi, I asked Baba Swami, please ask him to give me that letter. And in that letter, of course he gave me and I have got it with me. In that letter, in his sixteenth year, an age I suppose many of you have passed that age. He is younger than most of you at that time. Swami says, What is this that you are telling me? You are warning me? Of course, he did not write the letter saying to my brother. He said, Bhaktulaku. The way in which he addresses the reply is not to the brother who wrote that letter, but to you and me. Bhaktulaku, to my devotees. The reply was not to the individual who wrote that letter, but to the entire community 
of aspirants and seekers throughout the world. And therefore it is that I am reading this letter. Suppose he had written to my dear brother, because we can't make it public, but Baba wanted that in this summer course I must mention that letter to you. And therefore he said, Bhaktulaku, to devotees. And what does he say there? Na Shakti Teliyutaku. In order to know my might and majesty, in kenta kalamainanu, however many years, however many centuries may lapse, yettivarainanu, whoever the most cleverest and the deepest saint or sage or scholar or pandit, whoever it might be, yettivarainanu, he may be the most powerful intellect, might be the deepest devotee, he might be the hardest atheist, the, the toughest scientist, whoever he may be, Yettivarainanu, Yentakalamainanu, Yemichesinanu, and he might do tapas, stand on his head for 25,000 years, do all kinds of tapas that are mentioned in all the scriptures and Vedas, ways and methods, you have got so many guidebooks in order to understand God. Whatever guides you may follow, whatever maps you may have, Ettivarinanu, Yemichesinanu, Telisikona Leru, can't understand me. Sixteen-year-old boy making that announcement. And I am standing here today to tell you about it. Twenty-eight years I have sat at the feet of Bhagavan. And the more the years pass, the more magnificent, the more mysterious, the more miraculous the whole thing appears.
welcome back to listeners we heard that wonderful talk of professor kasturi continuing from there you know this is something which is a very common phenomenon with devotees you know you always feel the more you know swami the more you don't know him and the other thing is you always want to know something because have you ever wondered you know if you uh, let's say somebody goes somewhere and tastes a wonderful dish mm. and you, if you're a good cook the first thing is you want to know how to make it correct because somewhere there is this idea that if you know about something you have possessed it or if you're a singer you hear a nice song the first thing you want to do is you want to learn the song get the lyrics get the tune get the lyrics get the tune because you feel that if you know it i have it correct and i think that's the same thing which we do with god also when we hmm. come to swami we want to to know what swami will do in any situation what swami will a reaction will be to any any act or any what uh, swami's answers will be answers to any question answers will be to any question because we feel that if i know swami then i i possess him exactly <laughs> and the more you know swami with time you realize that you can never know him and that's the beauty and that is why a relationship with swami is i think always ever fresh exactly prem i mean you start off with thinking that you know nothing you want to discover more but as you said as time passes and as professor kasturi rightly put it as time passes he had stayed 28 years at the point when he was delivering that speech he said in 28 years i don't think you know i know anything more than what i knew of him before because it's infinity and how much ever you go you go 100 steps towards infinity or 1000 steps towards infinity you're still the same distance away from infinity absolutely going back to 1950 after his daughter's marriage had been conducted professor kasturi became a regular visitor to puttaparthi and as he himself said it you know his visits to bangalore were often like uh, jail terms for him like when he is being imprisoned because he felt that it was liberating when he came to puttaparthi during one such visit he got the experience of swami's omniscience you know and omnipresence they had this practice where his mother would offer a glass of milk to swami every day at their home in bangalore mm-hmm. so she would place this glass of milk in front of bhagwan's picture and uh, they noticed that every day at least about half glass or a quarter glass of milk would have disappeared and his mother used to always be thrilled that you know swami is coming and accepting our offerings so you know the natural conclusions you draw from this is either you know swami has great love for us swami loves us so much swami likes milk that's why he is taking the offering of milk all these things but you know being scientific this is not professor kasturi i'm just saying that being scientific anybody may wonder whether you know the milk has evaporated or has something i mean you know what is it actually and uh, though professor kasturi does not document what he thought at that time he documents a beautiful incident that happened in puttaparthi because one day swami out of the blue just asks him and uh, not only him but also to a group of people who are there along with him he just asks a question and the question is very interesting you know swami mm-hmm. asks which milk is tastier hot milk that has been cooled by placing it in a vessel of water or hot milk that has been cooled by you know alternatively pouring it between two glasses that is one right. some people have the habit of cooling milk by immersing that vessel itself in in a trough of water cold water right yeah the other one is yeah you pour it uh, into another glass cool this glass then right. pour it back into this glass cool the other glass and go on doing this up and down five six times and it's cooled so you know this really put professor kasturi and the others in a kind of uh, you know they were surprised as to how can a flavor or how can the taste be manipulated by the way of method of cooling 
because no ingredient is being added or anything and they were very inquisitive to know the answer and you know as always swami seems to give answers for everything except for the most intriguing questions and swami does not answer this mm-hmm. so professor kasturi is very eager to know the answer but swami is not letting out the answer and finally when he persists swami tells him ask your mother she will tell you so professor kasturi you can imagine when he comes to when he reaches bangalore the first thing is he rushes to his mother and tells mother tell me what is this okay and he asks the question and you know his mother she is overwhelmed and she says you know what every time when i place milk before swami i always i had this thought and i cooled it by putting it in a trough of water so then you know kasturi realizes that it doesn't it's not about finding out which one tastes better it is swami's way of indicating that i know what you're doing in bangalore and i know the thoughts that go behind what you're doing also and that was a way swami gave kasturi a chance to experience his omnipresence and omniscience later on you know professor kasturi also got to know that swami was no big fan of dairy products and milk either on one occasion when he saw swami refusing curds he was wondering because at his home swami seems to be savoring milk because every day is having milk but here he is refusing curds and at that time you know swami told apparently swami said that i have had enough of milk butter and curds for several janmas when i had come in my previous incarnation as krishna so i don't need any more of this i don't have a taste for this and that is when kasturi also realizes that it's out of swami's immense love for him that he has been partaking the milk at his home that's exactly just like how swami chose to tell kasturi about this milk cooling episode just to show that he knew exactly what his mother was doing mm-hmm. i think he referred to the fact that i've eaten a lot of milk products in the previous incarnation he said that also to show that you know it was the same krishna who has come back again because he was not tired of doing the leelas which he did in the krishna avatar he was not tired of doing things which he did for the devotees he continued doing them just to show that you know it's the same avatar which has come back again and i think uh, swami also refers mentions that it is better to cool it by pouring it from one vessel to the other i don't know if it's in the same occasion or some other occasion so if somebody is wondering i think swami had suggested that that is a better method and i think uh, kasturi's mother seems to be somebody who very instantly captured swami's heart and it's quite understandable usually the elderly you know ladies of the house tend to accept somebody like swami so easily because of their purity and because of their worship over the years i think that's what happened and there's a wonderful description he gives about his mother how she was very orthodox but you know behind that orthodoxy there was this desire to be all embracing which actually burst out when uh, when india became a republic and when when openly the politicians denounced the caste system and denounced more importantly orthodoxy. her uh, her master from the ramkrishna order i think shri gopal maharaj shri gopal maharaj brought in even in the ramkrishna order some kind of uh, leniency if we may call it so a shift from orthodoxy and when that happened a uh, kasuri's mother gr- gladly embraced that you know it was as if that she is orthodox but that is because she has heard that one needs to be orthodox right. to be holy and and once gopal maharaj had brought about this change she became lenient and later on i mean uh, kasuri goes on to say that she began to allow people to visit the kitchen which in orthodox families unless you are bathed and unless you have been purified you can't enter the kitchen 
so she had begun to allow that but he says that when she came to puttaparthi she saw people from all castes all creeds everywhere coming mingling together cooking together instead of being taken aback see that is a quality of an ideal seeker instead of getting shocked and repulsed she was as you said all embracing and she adopted that kind of life exactly you know when you don't judge the master based on what he does and then you you judge yourself and you judge your practices based on what the master is doing i think that's the sign of a true seeker and that's what she was and there's another wonderful episode which uh, where swami showed that swami was accepting her devotion you know there was that incident when kasturi used to say that they went back to bangalore and they started uh, bhajans in their house and we spoke last time of how poti ayer became more welcome to you know enthrall them with his narrations so similarly they also started this uh, weekly uh, bhajan session in their house for which they used to be the singers and they used to have a conducted bhajan session and there was this one corner in that whole hall where this mother used to sit leaning on one particular wall and she used to be lost in the bhajans even as the bhajans were going on and she used to be singing to her own self and she used to be lost in eyes closed and clapping her hands so one day when she was folding her hands and doing bhajans she suddenly felt that there was something in between her hands and i think uh, maybe for a moment she thought it was some bug or a beetle or something when you're clapping your hands which is just got, <laughs> got caught stuck. between uh. your palms but when she opened it she was pleasantly surprised to see that there was a small uh, bundle of the bundle of tulsi leaves which were there <laughs> and i think what's more fascinating is what kasturi says after that incident happened he says that every member of the family tries to sit in that same spot lean on the same wall and in fact imitate her very action and the way she used to sit with a tilt of her head and see if the same tulsi leaf would appear in their hands <laughs> when the bhajans were going on but it, you know it was a sign of benediction for her you know speaking about this incident i am reminded of both my father and my mother you mm-hmm. know my father because he used to tell me that you know he had a photography guru a photography guru in the sense he and a group of youngsters admired his photographic talent and his keen eye for subjects and so much was their uh, fascination for his style of photography th- that they would observe when he's taking a photograph and quickly study the zoom and the aperture settings on the camera mm-hmm. and then after he has taken his photo and gone they would go back and stand in the same you know if suppose his he's standing somewhere his footprints are left in the soil you go and stand in the same footprints and stand up to his same height use the same settings and whether you see anything or not just click the shutter because if he has seen something there there must be something there <laughs> you know it's almost like like that when you said that kasturi's mother would uh, uh, she got that experience and everybody would try thinking that maybe it's the the place that brought the leaves the place it's the wall it's the <laughs> it's the clapping right i also got reminded of my mother because prem i told you at the beginning uh, that kasturi sir's experience are such that when you listen you are reminded of your own my mother you know she had this great chance of interacting with swami during our uh, sai sanidhi meet Okay. You know when uh, we, we were told that all of us could sit with our parents and Swami would come in the lines and interact with all of us, Swami had agreed on that and it was a great chance. And I was here now considering that there are about one fifty students serving in Swami's various institutions over here, and all of them will be sitting with their parents and all of them have had interactions of different kinds over the ages. So it's you know between the one fifty of us, I felt that there is more than thousand years of amazing experiences with Swami that is there. and here was swami who would be going to each and every family within a span of 1 hour and i was just thinking everybody 
is so wise in this gathering everybody will be saying swami whatever happens let us be at your lotus feet forever whatever happens never let go of our hand swami i want love love for you in our heart these are the kind of prayers that wise people make from the lord they don't ask for paltry worldly things usually in a gathering if there are five six people asking for worldly things i felt that if i ask for a spiritual thing i will stand out right swami will remember you know everybody asks cheap things this is a guy who asked for something really good but here is a gathering where everybody is going to ask for the ultimate right and uh, so my mother was so excited she wanted to ask something from swami and i told her mom listen don't go and ask swami for a chance to be at his lotus feet forever or a chance to serve him forever my mother was shocked i said see mother because everybody will be asking the same thing so what is so unique about your request you get up and tell swami swami please keep me at your lotus feet that is what swami would have heard 100 times before you there only mm-hmm. on the same day i told her ask something unique something very special so that you know swami remembers you know it is it is something dramatic so that swami remembers you as a person who asked that question all this is the effect of maya you think that you know swami needs something dramatic to keep in mind and if it's something casual he may forget all this is maya and but that is what i had told her and i remember as swami came close we got up on our knees and it was a beautiful interaction and then my mom says swami i want to ask you something and i was very eager to know what was it that she was asking because even previous day at the end of my advice to her i asked her what is it that you're going to ask she tells me that no it's between me and swami i will ask him directly so even i was not aware of what she was going to ask swami so i was very eager and keen so when swami said okay ask what is it that you want to ask he did not say it but he indicated with his eyes that okay. you can ask i was very eager to know what she is asking and then she says swami i will cook food for you will you partake of it and i was first shocked thinking what is it that she is asking she is asking such a worldly thing oh god i mean in terms of in trying to be unique she had you know lowered her demand she had asked such a trivial and uh, unimportant thing like that but you know maybe that was what was foremost in her heart and she said that and swami's response totally thrilled me because swami said yes definitely not now later and she was very happy she got her namaskar swami put akshata grains on her and blessed her and i was smiling uh, half smiling to myself and to her saying that what is it that you asked but anyway swami responded well it's good and nice and that was in 2010 i right 2010 it was mm-hmm. a few months after that you know swami left his physical body and till then my mother had not come anywhere close to sending even a tiffin carrier for swami into yajur mandir so the next question that came to me is how is it that you know swami said that he will partake of the food my mother makes but he said later but now how is it going to ever happen this was a question that kept coming over in my mind and i remember one day my wife gets up and she says swami came in my dream and uh, he was upset that we are not keeping food for him there's a chair for him at home mm-hmm. there are those kerchiefs that we keep for swami everything but he says i'm hungry and there's no food mm. so she told me that you know from today onwards i whatever breakfast or whatever lunch whatever dinner we make whatever it might be usually if we are to cook for swami we make something very very special so she said it doesn't matter whether it's very special or not whatever we cook the first person in this home to partake will be swami and i said fair enough and that is how it started you know even if it was maggi noodles that we make in the morning 
the first plate will go to swami in the altar and then one day prem we started noticing that in the breakfast that has been kept for swami in the lunch that has been kept for swami there was vibhuti appearing it continues even to this day there is no regular schedule for it there is no way to predict when it happens but it happens and in the food there is vibhuti and you know my mother was so thrilled you know the promise that swami had given that you make for me not now later and i will partake of it it was manifesting on a day to day basis and it was so thrilling because it is very very similar to the way swami used to partake food you know everybody who used to send food for swami and there were at least i think about uh, seven or eight households in the earlier days and later on different different people got chance to send food and the amount of food that would go in would be enough for at least feeding 30 people right but swami would not eat everything that everybody sends sometimes some carriers are not touched at all sometimes some get eaten a lot so it is you know it's like kind of a lottery you send it and just hope that swami has had it and that same kind of environment was being recreated for my mother at home because it is not every day that swami would uh, partake or you know there would be blessings in the food one day just imagine you have this masala dosa if you open the dosa instead of the masala there uh, there is vibhuti you wow. know instead of those uh, the usual curry that is right. there there is vibhuti over there you know it, it was like a vibhuti masala dosa <laughs> so these kind of things started happening and i felt so thrilled and i felt you know that we are not you know we are not mature enough to understand what swami says so therefore let us not try to understand you know what kasturi sir said he felt after 28 years we feel after 12 years after 12 months after 12 days also let us not try to understand swami but let us know with conviction in the heart that every word he says is the absolute truth it has to manifest and that was my mother's experience which i got the chance to be a part of and i was so thrilled because reading about how swami used to partake milk at kasturi's home what his mother used to offer this is what my heart and mind went into and it was so beautiful reliving this experience and you know the beauty is you have many people nowadays coming in uh, you know saying things like now these things are increasing and now you can see uh, the the n- number of manifestations increasing and swami's bhuti is coming here and the fact is these were the ways swami actually captured his devotees even way back in 1940s and 50s in fact some of the early experiences which kasturi narrates of swami's omniscience and omnipresence is all about these kind of things in fact he narrates one very beautiful incident where whenever swami would visit bangalore and visit some devotee's house he and his family would go and uh, meet swami there and uh, seek his blessings and the more he started visiting devotee's house like this when swami would attend he started getting the desire of inviting swami to his own house so one of the times i think his mother makes bold and asks swami that swami you should come to our house and swami promises thrice saying that i will come i will come i will come it is said the truth when it is declared has to be said thrice so <laughs> swami saying three times i will come i will come i will come then swami is certainly going to come so that's what they think and one of the trips you know swami promises that definitely this time i'm going to visit your house but needless to say swami doesn't come they have bhajans and they you know have the food in the incidentally that is a time during that trip uh, i think it is during ganesh chaturthi festival when swami has promised almost a dozen households right. that i will be visiting and, and he doesn't go to any of these yeah he he realizes that later that the same promise has been given to so many people and swami has not visited any of those houses so maybe some kind of solace that you know you have not been 
picked out for the misfortune <laughs> you have somebody who is sharing the you know the disappointment with you so he goes back to puttaparthi and you know wants to ask swami that swami you had said that you will come and you didn't come and that's when he realized that there were others also who had come along with him to place the same complaint in front of swami and swami said i said i'll come and i've come hmm. so all of them looked at each other and said no swami you have not come to any of our houses then swami said mention an exact time during which swami said when you're doing bhajans didn't the garland snap and the beauty was at the same time the same event had happened in all those houses that swami had promised to come prem by narrating this you know again you throw me on a nostalgic ride mm-hmm. i'm reminded of <laughs> the episode that came as a birthday gift for me prem last year it was the 23rd of june mm-hmm. and there was a concert that the students had to present in brindavan okay. the students the alumni from prashantin liam had planned a concert called one with sai mm-hmm. it was a concluding concert at the end of a two day bhajan workshop that had been held in brindavan we have carried an article about this in radio sai, uh, in the radio sai site also mm. that was the time i remember i got the chance at that time to introduce each of the songs being sung and i thought what better way to introduce the song rather than speak about the lyrics and the tune and the raga and the technical details with which i am not well versed right. i thought let me find out the story of association of that song with swami and narrate that story each time that was what i was doing and finally reached the last song which was a kavali mm-hmm. now this kavali had a very long history with swami because there were many occasions when swami said that this kavali is too small make it big there were occasions when swami said oh such a big kavali it is you cut it cut it and make it short so the same kavali and the same swami but rendered to different lengths according to swami's so called in quotes whims and fancies and as i was speaking about this i was reminded of you know the uh, the famous incident between arjuna and krishna where krishna points to a bird in the sky and says it's a peacock he says it's a pigeon he says it's an eagle and whatever krishna says arjuna agrees to saying that lord i trust your word more than i trust my own eyes because if you say so that's what it is so i narrated this incident of krishna and arjuna and then i said you know that is how it is with swami if he says it's small make it long you make it long but when he says cut it just cut and exactly at, as i said that there was a roar of applause and i was wondering what happened because the next line was what i thought would be the punch line i wanted to deliver that punch line now i have even forgotten that but i had written down that punch line so that i don't miss it or mess it up but before i could deliver the punch line there are clapping and i was wondering what happened and i looked at some of the people in the first few rows mm-hmm. and they are pointing behind me and i looked behind i just saw that beautiful brass idol of lord krishna on the stage at sai ramesh hall in vrindavan right, right. and i couldn't make out anything so i just assumed that something might have happened so i nodded and i just concluded because you know people were uh, applauding and they were on, on such a high i felt that my punchline could not take it to any more high than that i just said okay now we'll let's listen to that kavali and concluded later on i got to know that exactly at the moment when i said cut a garland that had been tied around krishna's crown two foot long garland literally cut and it fell down and it bought a grand finale finish for the whole concert everybody were in tears and i felt so overwhelmed and grateful and i told swami i was thinking of delivering a punchline 
but you are the person who delivered the punchline and with such effect and you know when you narrated about how swami said that i have come my presence was shown by the garland snapping and falling i got goosebumps and i felt that wow swami that continues even to this day your presence you show by snapping of garlands and falling of flowers and and you know the, the joy of uh, inviting swami and swami choosing to show his presence to through other forms and not actually showing up himself i think many many devotees would have experienced that may not be to their houses as uh, in this case of kasturi but we have invited swami to the hostel many times and i remember the way swami used to play and you know he used to say why the hostel all of you are here what will i do in the hostel and then we would say no no swami we will all come there and he said but darshan happens here devotees will be here or something of the other swami would you know say when all of us are here why do we have to go to the hostel it's after all we being together and you cannot refute such things i think that's what swami used to do with kasturi and devotees of those days also kasturi narrates that incident of you know he goes to swami and says swami please come to my house mm. and Swami gives him a cold stare and says your house and then he realizes that it's it's wrong to use the possessive in front of Swami so, you know, <laughs> he says no no Swami it's your house then Swami looks at him and says who are you to invite me to my house my own house okay <laughs> you know that's the beauty the, the thing is we think that Swami was physically there, there and these were things which are happening now the fact was Swami was always driving that point that swami is always with us and yes the joy of being with him physically was immense but swami wanted us to feel that joy all the time everywhere whether we were in his physical presence or not and that is what swami has been doing for 80 long years through all these things you perfectly put it prem and please forgive another incident you know i just can't help it you know we were speaking about how swami has been the same throughout and you said about how the flower dropped i just and just right away right now another incident because i want to narrate it because this is a question of a doubt being dispelled mm-hmm. when uh, i was in bombay in bombay during those times you know at home all the flowers that are different flowers usually marigold flowers would be kept on swami's lamp, framed photographs which used to hang on different walls at home and my father would go about every morning keeping flowers on all these photographs and during the day you know here and there one or two flowers would fall down and seeing that my parents would get so thrilled you know as a proof of swami's presence at home and they were so you know in a state of great joy because every day at home swami's presence is being seen i was not at home i was studying in in school over here and when they used to tell me all this i used to hear it over the phone and feel very happy and i used to think that my parents are more blessed because they are at home there and experiencing swami so much and i am here and you know in the school and college you will know it it's like competition to get into form try to get swami to look at you try to give him a letter if he doesn't take and you feel that you know i'm here near swami and i'm not able to get his attention and there my parents are and they're enjoying so much of swami that vacation when i went home in front of me i saw one flower fall from the portrait from a picture it was sometime in the evening and you know my analytical mind it made a quick analysis it said see these flowers were kept on top of the frame in the morning throughout the day the flower has been resting on the petals which are down right the petals and because of that weight of the flower on the petals lowermost petals for about say 10 to 12 hours 
those petals start you know decaying and becoming weak they get crushed under the weight of the flower and because of that slowly the flower droops and then drops down mm-hmm. so this is a natural phenomenon there's nothing great uh, in getting excited about you know thinking that this is swami's presence this is what my mind told me and i became very critical and i thought that you know my parents are living in some kind of a hallucinatory world where naturally the flower drops you keep a flower on a photograph for some time once it withers it drops down you don't think that that is swami's presence i thought of uh, telling them in a indirect subtle manner mm-hmm. so i said uh, i'm here for the vacations will you mind if i keep flowers for the picture mm, my father said yes you do it so from that day every morning i would place the flowers and you know what i used to do i used to pull the frame a little ahead mm-hmm. and insert the stock in between the photograph and the wall insert the stock of that marigold flower because the marigold has a little thick stock right insert it which means there is no way that till it's extracted out it can fall you have to the next day take it out right. because it's wedged between the frame and the wall and can you believe it prem from that day onwards flowers stopped falling at home mm-hmm. and a week passed this way and not even one flower has fallen imagine and uh, i thought that my parents would have got the message that see this is not something to get excited about thinking swami has come and all that but they never spoke in that manner at all so i only brought up the topic one day and told my father that you know dad i think you should only keep the flowers i am not devoted enough because when i play swami doesn't seem to uh, show his presence so my father says no it is nothing to do with your devotion or my devotion it's about swami wanting to show his presence here if he wants he will show no no you only continue to keep so that's what my father told me so i continued to keep and the sad state of affairs continued until one day you know when i heard from some of my classmates and friends as to how what a wonderful time they were having in kodaikanal where swami had taken them and uh, they were not my classmates they were my seniors but i got to know that and you know i began to miss swami so much because in spite of all my doubts and whatever i think you know swami's physical presence is so endearing so beautiful so charming that that you begin to miss it so i was missing it so much i remember i took a harmonium and whatever little i know i was keeping a scale and i was just singing out mm-hmm. because you know swami says he is a bhava priya he loves the feelings so i was having such feelings of love for swami so i was just singing all alone you know luckily i feel that's it even if you don't have a voice and you feel that swami loves feelings sing it when you're alone don't try to sing in a public meeting and say that swami loves only feelings if it's only feelings you can offer it to him in the solitude of your room so anyway that is what i was doing and during one bhajan i remember that bhajan also it was sai ram sai sham mere sai ram right. that bhajan as i am singing that bhajan the emotion became so overwhelming that i closed my eyes my voice choked and tears began to flow out and i was crying i was crying like a baby saying swami i miss you i miss you and even as i am saying it i hear a thump it was a quite loud thump and it made me jump i opened my eyes and what do i see on the reeds of the harmonium there is one big orange marigold flower mm-hmm. and i wondered from where it came i looked i was sitting at least 1 and 1/2 feet away from the wall on which was this big portrait of swami okay on them were nine marigold flowers all of them inserted the way i do it so that they don't fall and that had fallen 
the center one had fallen onto the harmonium and that you know made me get so thrilled my tears stopped immediately and i was like in a state of shock i remember i ran out it was a holiday so my father was also at home i ran out and i said dad dad the flower has fallen swami has come flower has fallen swami has come okay and he comes and he is not expressing as grandly as i am expecting him to because you know this is something phenomenal he says yes i said dad do you realize i mean this is flower has fallen he says yeah this is the excitement we feel whenever it falls at that time you know i couldn't tell him that you know this is different this is not your flower this is my flower i have inserted there no way this is genuine swami's appearance at home that was an incident that convinced me that it's not that swami needs your help to keep the flower in an easy way so that he can drop it if he wishes he can drop it anyway because after that i noticed that even though i didn't insert the flower sometimes whole days would pass without any flower falling so it's all the playing of the mind and it's the monkey mind literally because two three times swami has told me monkey mind monkey mind but now i realize that there is nothing like impossible for swami whether it's the smallest of small things or the biggest of biggest things whether it is a thing that we consider trivial as a falling of a flower or something as grand as swami appearing in our home both are equally easy for swami and that is something that we must always keep in our hearts maybe a word of caution here you know generally what happens is when you feel something like this there are moments when when there are some small things which will uh, which will give you this feeling that yes this is swami showing his presence but unfortunately not always people around you will actually relate to that that much i think that those are moments when you have to cherish that incident to yourself exactly. you shouldn't let anybody take away the joy from you and that's what happens you know even you tend to do that you know somebody comes with you with an immense feeling of you know this is what happened and there was this beautiful coincidence which i'm sure is what swami did for me you are not in that situation you're not in that moment of emotion you might not be able to relate to that person i think it's very important for us to keep it to ourselves and cherish it before we share it to anybody and you know let anybody take away the joy of that moment very uh, important point you have made prem i think unless we are strong enough to receive a cold response you know here i know you i know you trust me and i am sharing it okay and uh, if at all you know as you said forget about your attitude just the thing that you might not have had such a good day uh, on that time when you come and tell something like you may say ah oh, okay nice good the flower fell that kind of response should not put you off because it's your experience right your experience something that's for yourself and it is a basis for you though it might not mean anything to anybody else that is what we discussed about swami being the god of small things and that is why i feel you know swami used to always emphasize come see for yourselves experience and then have faith because faith is built upon in an individual capacity you don't get faith because of others experiences because there are many occasions when you don't get faith by your own experiences also right faith is something that is totally dependent on the individual and as you rightly said such incidents and experiences where there is a chance that people may call it coincidence or people may just put it off share it only if you are strong enough to receive a cold response otherwise cherish it in your heart and enjoy the joy and the other thing is share it with people who will really relate to what you're saying you know that's what talking about uh, flowers and garlands maybe uh, it's not out of place to skip a few you know episodes and go to another episode which is very similar and maybe it will fit in here because of the theme is that of an incident which is related to anantappa who happens to be the pune who is given 
to Kasturi for his personal quarters when he moves in as the principal of the college in Davangere. That's a bigger story. Maybe we'll come to that after we narrate the episode of how he gets posted there. That also as a blessing of Shami. But you know, there is this pure. The way uh, Kasturi Garu narrates it is beautiful. He says. that there are a lot of peons in the university campus there and you are allowed to pick as a principal one of those peons who can be useful to you in your official residence there were 12 peons huh. 12 peons <laughs> and he chooses anandapa because he knows that he is the most quote unquote dumb of all of them he, they, he calls him that he was a dullard and uh, he was not sharp at all in the worldly sense but he was a very very deeply spiritual man and evolved soul he felt because all his life the only thing that mattered to him was his worship of swami and it was anantappa's love for swami that made kasturi pick up anantappa as a peon though he was not sharp in mathematics those simple calculations would put him off get him confused he found it difficult to obey even a slightly complicated command a complex command only simple commands he could do but still Kasturi had accepted Anantappa, and also because if he were to be in the service of anybody else, there's a very less chance of him continuing. He was sure, he was sure to be thrown out because of you know his inability to carry out even simple commands. But this Anantappa, as you said, you know the way he would stand outside, and uh, Kasturi narrates how there was a stool which was designated for him, and most of the day he would sit and doze off. But the moment he would hear the arthi being offered. he would wake up and come in front of the idol and come in come and accept the uh, prasadam and that's his devotion and in fact swami validated that this was not any ordinary person but he was a person who was in deep devotion to him when one swami gave a picture of himself to kasturi when kasturi visited putapati and said this is vanandappa go and install it in his hut you know a huge picture and that itself showed that you know swami was acknowledging this person's devotion So Kasturi very religiously takes it and puts it in the heart of Anandapa, and there in that slum, you know, here is this person who is a peon in the university who is regularly conducting bhajans, and all those people around would come and sit and take part in that worship. In fact, Swami even describes Anandapa as Vipishana. No, no, that is Kasturi describing. Uh, no, no, Swami describes actually. Oh, okay. In huh. one of the occasions, Swami says that he is like Vipishana. Vipishana in Lanka. In Lanka, because among. those unpious here is a pious soul you know swami has often said i don't know if i'm uh, wrong in this telugu but i would like to make an attempt he mm-hmm. says yevariki yantra yanta telachina anta matra means some okay i messed it up swami says uh, for each one to the amount that he or she puts in the effort and you know for all the love that swami showered on anantappa the major incident which we will describe possibly after a break Anandapa too you know displayed remarkable faith in Swami's words it was one occasion when you know his eldest daughter became very very sick and when she became sick Anandapa goes to Swami and Swami tells Anandapa that you know her end is near she will not last another month so don't waste any medicine on any pills and pricks and pricks meaning the injections. Uh, needle injections don't waste on any treatment just let her be peaceful at home and can you believe it without even the slightest hesitation anantappa follows swami's words and exactly within one month his eldest daughter passes away at the same time you know swami gave a different treatment one night anantappa wakes up with a start because he has had a dream in which swami has come and said get up find out what's happening to your sister in law 
And when he wakes up, he sees that his wife is also awake. Why? Because she too had a dream in which Swami came and told, get up, see what's happening to your sister. And both of them go, they come to see that that lady is being beaten up by her husband. And they are actually in time to save her. And you know, Swami saves that lady in this manner through Anantapa. On another occasion, you know, when a mad dog, a rabid dog bites his own wife. I mean, Anantapa goes to Swami. Swami says, you don't worry, she will be totally fine. Give her this vibhuti. So, as Kasturi puts it, rather than trust Pasteur, uh, that Louis Pasteur who found the vaccine for rabies, Anantapa trusts Puttaparthi and doesn't get her any injections or anything, just gives her the vibhuti and she's totally healed. So, that was the kind of personality Anantapa was on whom Swami showered so much love and grace. And the most beautiful story which Kasturi found it that he must record it even as part of his own autobiography. We will narrate it and enjoy that episode after this small break. प्रेम की पुकार दिल की पुकार तुमको अर्पण करे साईं मां मंजिल भी तुम्हें रस्ता भी तुम्हें हर कण कण में तुम्हें साईं ప్రాపర్టీ 
ప్రైమరీ స్కూలు కాలేజీ హైర్ సెకండరీ స్కూల్ వీళ్ళందరూ పిల్లలంతా కూడా నా వెంట వెంటనే ఉంటుంటారు నన్ను వదిలి వాళ్ళు పోరు వారిని వదిలి నేనుండలేను కనుక మా విద్యార్థులే నా ప్రాపర్టీ అడుగు అడుగునా నడిపించే సకుడవు అణువు అణువులోనా వినిపించే వేణు విడదీయలేనిది మన బంధమే ఇది ప్రేమకై అంకితం మన ప్రియ స్వామికై అర్పితం మా హృదయం पुकार हर की पुकार तुम कोर्पण करे साई मंजिल भी तुम्ही रसदावे तुम्ही हर कण कण में तुम्ही साई Welcome back to your listeners. What you heard was a beautiful song which was composed for the drama which was put up by the school which happened during the annual sports and cultural meet. This is a song which was sung and recorded in our studios. We have it for download on our website and if you want it you can still go there. The name of the drama was Prem Ki Pukar and this was the final song of that drama. Coming back to our discussion we were talking about Anantapa. We spoke about how Swami even in the 1940s when he was so available if you could put it that way for his devotees he did even then choose to show his presence and show his benevolence through very little acts of omnipresence we were talking about Anantapa the pion of professor Kasturi when he was the principal of the college in Davangere and the beautiful incident which he had you know relating to this garlands and the garlands snapping you know the, uh, we spoke of that portrait which swami gave him and he had installed that in his hut and once when kasturi had gone to meet him you know in the slum he narrates of an incident where he would see on many occasions the would be standing in front of that portrait and talking to swami as he is talking to swami when he visits puttaparthi and during one of those occasions you know he found that there was this picture of swami which he had installed and above that there was a picture of shirdi baba and once a garland had fallen from shirdi baba's picture Okay. And here's Anantapa sit uh, standing there and you're saying that Swami this is not fair. You know, I don't know that man. I come <laughs> to you. You know, I pray to you. So if you want to show your presence, you should have flowers from your garland snapping, not from his picture. And even as you were saying this, you know, Kasturi would see that 
the flower from the garland which was put around Swami's picture would snap and come straight to his palm. Straight to his palm. <laughs> he would say directly aimed at his palm, and then Antapa would be I would feel happy. Yes, Swami, now I'm happy. Now I'm pleased. You know that was the kind of innocent devotion that this man had, and you know that's the beauty of Swami's relationship with his devotees. You know when you come and become. a devotee of sami it doesn't mean that all your worldly problems just vanish with a snap of his finger you still go through whatever you have to go through but swami says that i am there with you i am going to take care of you in fact one occasion when when kasturi makes a big blunder and he goes to sami and says sami i don't want to continue as this principal please let me relinquish this post and come and settle with you sami gives him a description of the whole whole event and says that this all happened don't worry you keep falling i'm just behind you i'll pick you up every time you fall you know that is the beauty of the incident and that is the beauty of swami and on many occasions swami proved that even in antapa's life you know you the spoke most, about that the most uh, poignant among those episodes we heard of how you know swami had told him not to worry about his elder daughter, elder daughter right. because she is going to pass away anyway and that's what happened to her now his younger daughter was married to a person who was uh, working in some uh, high post in the railways in the railways and uh, he was always you know mistreating his wife in the sense anandapa's youngest daughter was not treated well by her husband and how swami came to her rescue is this story that we are talking about right you know th- this person i think he had some kind of weird problem because he would <laughs> always doubt the character of his wife hmm. and uh, you know every time she would go to open a window or close a window which was open he would always think that she is going out to ogle some passer by Hmm. and it was a very serious thing and uh, she she found this very uh, suffocating to live with a person like this and it came to a point when she said see if you do not trust me let us go to swami you ask swami whether i am a person of character who can be lived with if swami says no i will end my life if swami says yes then you live with me you know that is the final conclusion they come to when they decide to set out and go to swami This son-in-law of Anantapa is not really a devotee of Swami, but you know he knows that Swami is a person beyond a normal reason. Not necessarily believing him as God, but he knew that this person could see into people's hearts and people's minds. So he took this as a a good way to settle this matter. So Anantapa and his wife, his younger daughter, and her husband, they all set out to Parthi. And needless to say, Swami calls them for an interview, and what Swami tells is quite. Uh, understandably what we would expect out of the situation you know and swami looks at the son in law and says your wife is as pure as sita mother sita ha huh? mother sita she is as pure as anybody whom you can think of she is as pure as draupadi she is as pure as sita parvati goddess parvati as, as pure as goddess parvati and needless to say this man is quite irritated hearing this because you know one thing is the problem is solved and swami is telling that your wife is pure but you have been proved wrong you know that is what hurts his ego and he is not ready to accept it and he walks out with this near i mean he starts accusing swami of trying to take Don't the side you think we of, also do this sometimes prem you know we are happy with swami's decisions as long as it's in alignment with our us, right <laughs> our decision if it goes wrong we say swami do you really mean it we want to check it we want to test it you know even if uh, sometimes like you know we do lots people throw chits to pick up If the answer is a chit that is matching what you desire, you feel yes, Swami has given an answer. If it's something that is totally opposite to what you desire, you think maybe let me do best of three tosses. Maybe let me do best of five tosses. You know, as if uh, you need a majority mandate from Swami to take the decision. 
yeah, somebody said you know, if you have two choices to make and you're wondering which is the best one to make and you're tossing a coin even as a coin is about to fall into your hands you will be thinking one of the other you know either heads or tails hmm. then you don't have to see what the coin is fallen <laughs> you can do that because that's what you want to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah and th- that was the ca- same case here you know he got up and he started accusing Swami that you're taking the side of the girl uh, this is not the right thing and you're doing it purposely because it is anantapa's daughter and all that so swami got him thrown out of the room and then swami looked at this family and looked at this daughter and said don't worry he will come around he's a good man he's suffering because of this doubt which has come into him i will take care of it and they will lead a happy life swami gives them the assurance and send them away i think that's when that <laughs> that baffling yes, incident you know happened. the son in law is so upset that he got sent out of the room he decided to avenge himself when they're returning to bangalore they have to catch a train at penukonda mm-hmm. he's you know he's working in the railway so he has some kind of privileges and perquisites which he utilizes only for himself he gets into the first class compartment after dumping his wife and his in-laws in the third class compartment that is what he does and uh, you know i think it's nice to follow uh, kasturi garu's narrative style he stops at this point and then he says One fine morning when Kasturi was wanting to go to his college he was waiting at the bus station waiting for the bus to arrive when suddenly on a jatka jatka is a horse drawn carriage mm-hmm. he sees one of his uh, former students who is working in the railways okay he calls out to Kasturi and calls him out and says sir sir can i drop you wherever you are going there's a bus strike going on so you cannot catch a bus so i'll take you in the horse carriage and drop you wherever you have to go So Kasturi decides to join his former pupil. And this pupil of his was a big bodybuilder or a kind of wrestler and and he never, you know, seemed to have any inclination towards Sai Baba Swamis and all this. So Kasturi knows this. But the first thing that this student tells him is, "Sir, can you tell me how to go to Puttaparthi? I want to have darshan of Sai Baba." And Kasturi is shocked. What on earth did happen that this <laughs> a student of mine wants to see sai baba he asks why do you want to see sai baba right and then he says sir you know that i work as a, a railway guard i want to narrate some amazing incident that happened a few nights back and then you know that is when kasturi is able to put together that this railway guard incident is something related to anantapa's son in law he says that in the train there was this person who put his in-laws and his wife in a third class compartment he got into a first class compartment and he spoke to me about it because i was a railway guard and i put him in a first class compartment because there were no reservations and the train moved and after penukonda the next station towards bangalore is a place called tonde bhavi mm-hmm. it's there even to this day okay. if you go, travel by train between bangalore and puttaparthi so at tonde bhavi he says that this person came screaming out of the first class compartment it's the middle of the night he's screaming and knocking on the door and he jumps out and he says i don't want to go back in and he's holding his cheeks so the guard asks him what happened and he says just a few minutes before tondebavi station comes suddenly all the lights start glowing red you know almost it looks as if the whole compartment is angry on me and this whole compartment is empty all the lights change color to red and he says that in that redness i saw this orange robe and swami come there and he started pummeling me beating me into pulp 
slaps boxes everywhere there is swami and he's pummeling me literally and he's saying when i say that she is pure you are not ready to accept it if you don't accept it and if you continue with your this kind of treatment this is what you will get and he says the amount i have been beaten i cannot bear with this and you know because the trainer just stopped at tonde bavi the guard that is kasturi student walks into the compartment he sees nobody is there and here is this person claiming not only did sai baba come and bash him up but there were several sai babas bashing him up simultaneously telling him beware if you touch touch your wife in that wrong manner criticizing her after i have assured her purity you know and he says that that is what you know hearing that narrative i decided that i must and i know sir that my teacher you you are a staunch devotee of baba therefore i thought i'll ask you and you know kasturi heard this narrative the story does not end there he gets to know later on from anantappa mm-hmm. that this husband has become a very meek and timid form of his previous self in fact anantappa's daughter writes to him saying that now once in a month when he gets his salary he comes and gives the whole salary to his wife and takes 15 rupees as his pocket expenses for the month so timid he has become and kasturi is just left wondering you know he is left wondering and he decides that when i go to swami next i will confirm the story with swami also so when he comes to swami he tells swami you know that time some of the topic comes about shirdi baba and they are discussing about shirdi baba and kasturi feels this is an opportune moment so he says swami we have heard of you know shirdi baba beating up people you are you know you are shirdi baba's reincarnation have you given up beating people now <laughs> swami says you know that was a different form this form is all love so i don't beat so then kasturi says of course swami you don't beat physically but you know in some other form in some other ways have you ever delivered a beating you know swami definitely knows what kasturi is referring to so swami says kasturi everything is love that day also it was love love showered on that poor daughter of anantappa that's all swami says so you know swami accepts at the same time you know swami says that that is also love that is also love showered on the daughter of anantappa and that is how you know kasturi gets a completion he gets closure on this episode from all quarters and it's so beautiful you know it is also reassuring to us that all we need to do is stick on the path of virtue and follow all that swami says because i don't remember maybe it was a teacher who said it that you know the lord will tolerate if anything happens to him but not if a hair on his devotee's head is harmed and you know this whole incident and the narrative about this pure anantapa also breaks that fallacy which people always come to swami that swami is for the influential and swami is for the rich and the powerful we spoke of how swami visited the house of a cobbler and here is how swami is favoring and you know looking into the small problems of a uh, a pune i don't know one devotee was narrating once when they were traveling with swami i think this was when swami was actually leaving for uh, the east africa trip i think i think he had the blessing of driving swami to the airport in madras you know when they were traveling there was one point when they were uh, caught up in a traffic junction okay and swami was there in the car and this person was driving and you, you know you know this happens i think in big cities when when there's a traffic and there would be some people who would come and start cleaning your car you know just as a as a small favor offered and they will ask you for some money in return so when this car and swami was in the car and they were in the in this traffic this was in the early days in the recent when swami would travel into these cities and swami would have 
uh, a convoy and a clearance a convoy and the clearance and all that so that time swami was waiting in the car in a traffic and there was this man who was dressed up in tattered clothes and he was coming in wiping the car and just then swami looked at uh, the person who was sitting next to him in the car swami said go and call that man okay so immediately the person came out of the car and accosted this man he just thought he was a you know poor man and swami wanted to give him something but the moment this person called him out and this person just took to his heels he just ran away from there so then swami looked at him and swami uh, raja reddy was with swami then swami told this devotee you don't run after him he told raja reddy you go and call that man he will recognize you so raja reddy was wondering who is this person he went after him and calls this man and needless to say this person recognizes raja reddy and he comes back and he was scared so meanwhile swami was telling uh, the story of this man to this devotee he said see he was a very very rich man he lost all his money you know with his bad business and all that and he is indebted so a lot of debtors are after him so if you call him he will think that you are one of the debtors who are after him that's why he is running away that's why i sent raja reddy because he knows him so this man came and very punily and very meekly the moment he saw swami he burst into tears and fell at swami's feet in the middle of the road there and swami said see i know you i know your plight i just wanted to assure you that i was taking care of you then and i'm taking care of you even now Beautiful. even though you have lost everything i'm still taking care of you i just wanted to let you know this that's why i called you you know swami has no distinctions in fact even this we were speaking about later on how swami would have a convoy you know i remember when swami got that z level security for himself he never asked for it it was a devotee that went and requested and said swami please please you must you must for our sake have this i'm reminded of an episode in shirdi baba's life when a person comes from the himalayas thinking that baba is a fakir and then when he sees his reality he falls at his feet and says baba you are the lord of lord the king of kings I mean, you need to live in a palace why are you in such tatters shirdi baba says that i have no desires of my own whatever my devotees offer and they desire that is what is my uh, desire too now they are offering me this and i am here if they offer me anything else i will accept that it is for their joy and so even when swami accepted a convoy swami accepted security it was only for the joy and satisfaction of the devotees he always gave himself completely to the devotees maybe we can conclude with this episode where you know again it's mentioned in the same book uh, loving god and uh, in the 1950s only when uh, kasturi says that there was this set of devotees who arrived from telangana the telangana region in andhra pradesh mm-hmm. it's again the story is based in the 50s when the general hospital was under construction so kasturi says that these youth they came and they were so full of energy and vigor that they helped move cement blocks rocks sand everything and they were working like you know literally like some draught animals you know that was the amount of magnitude of work that they achieved but they were also very uncouth so professor kasturi used to see that these people when they come to swami's room swami is very free with them mm-hmm. but they seem to take it uh, too much in the sense they take too many liberties he saw some of the youth opening swami's pan box and partaking of the pan my god he was shocked he said what is this indisciplined people what bad people in fact i don't know if you remember this photograph it is there in loving god mm-hmm. it happened with this group of devotees from telangana they one day caught swami and they said swami you know we got a new electronic gadget that was something of a thrill for them it was a camera okay and they told swami to sit and they told swami as if swami did not know swami had photographers from the 40s itself 
But they said, Swami, you sit, we'll show you what it is. So they take a picture and Swami says, wait, you are not coming in the picture. I will take your photograph. At that time, they say, Swami, don't you have normal common sense in the sense we want you in the picture. How can you? Swami says, no problem. And he tells all of you sit. I am also there. And it's an empty chair and Swami is taking the photograph. At this time, you know, Kasturi is there and because Swami has assured them that I will be there in the photograph, they are also thrilled and they are sitting with such faces of devotion, you know. But Kasturi thinks that, oh, will it really come? He is thinking of how Swami might superimpose himself. So he keeps his hand on Swami's footrest, thinking, let me see in the photograph whether my hand will come over Swami's feet or will <laughs> Swami's feet come over my hand. You know what happens? As Swami is about to take a picture, he says, Kasturi, pick your hand out. <laughs> Makes him take away his hand and then takes a picture. And that picture has been presented in the Loving God book. You know, it's been titled, He Clicked at His Empty Chair. And Swami is there with all these Telangana youth and Professor Kasturi. No, at the end of it, you know, Swami tells the Telangana uh, people that, I will visit your home, hometown. Mm-hmm. They say, Swami, yes, we will arrange. And they arrange two jeeps. And Kasturi is thinking, what is this Swami? He is going and giving them so much. They don't deserve so much. And then the next day he hears that Swami is sending word for him. So that is the day when Swami is leaving for Telangana. And he thinks that, wow, this must be because Swami will be telling him that you don't, you come in my jeep or which, what is his position? Because he has packed his baggage and he is also ready. He travels wherever Swami goes. Swami tells him, Kasturi, uh, Sheshgiri Rao, he was 70 year old at that time. Mm-hmm. He was the first priest as we have spoken about. Uh, he needs some help in packing, you help him. And after that, I will be gone for two or more weeks. Take care of the ashram. And Kasturi is shattered. How can I, you know, Swami is not taking me along. And Swami tells him, you felt right that these are so uncouth people. How can anybody tolerate to be with them? So I don't want to put you to difficulty. So don't come. I will go with them and come. And that is the time, you know, Kasturi realizes that really Swami has nothing called discrimination. He seeks only a pure heart and if the heart is not pure, Kasturi Garu, we know what a great devotee of the Lord he is. But even such a person, when he entertained one impure thought, Swami distanced him immediately. I think that can be like a litmus test for each of us to know whether we are on the right path. If we are on the right path, we should get closer and closer to Swami every moment because Swami attracts purity. And if we are not on the right path, we will feel a distance that is building up between us and Swami because Swami is away from the path of impurity. I think, Edwin, that's that's a beautiful thought to end this session with and I think nothing more should be added to that. Dear listeners, we are coming to the end of this program. We spoke about... uh, Professor Kasturi and his early years with Swami. Honestly speaking, there is much more to speak about him. And as we said, being a beautiful, very talented writer and speaker, the way he has documented his life is as beautiful as he has documented Swami's life. Sairam You just heard an episode of our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. And the topic of today's episode was Satyam Shivam Sundaram, the life story of Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba. This was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12.30pm on January 23rd, 2014 
We hope you enjoyed it. Your comments and suggestions are very important to us. Please mail them to listener at radiosci.org. Next week, same day, same time will be the continuation of today's episode. Stay tuned. Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashant Nilayam.